Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. I was having some, uh, like, huevos rancheros, homemade. Ooh. Ooh. Uh, and I went a bit heavy in the cayenne, so... How multicultural of you. Cayenne Jackson. Thank you. Um, <laughs> Jackson, get out of here with that. What do you mean? That was funny. <laughs> is, it, is it cayenne? Is it cayenne? Cayenne? I thought... It, isn't it Cheyenne? No, I know it's Cheyenne, but how do you oh, say yeah. the name of the pepper? I mean, we in our American accents, we'd probably say cayenne pepper, but I... So it's a bit, yeah. It's probably cayenne. It probably oh, well. is. Cayenne's funnier. Cause I can make this, cayenne this is why we're not a food podcast. I know. That's the one, <laughs> that's the one like, alternate podcast we'll, we'll never be able to do. Uh, is food. I do have, one of these days, I have a musical theater cookbook. When, when the video ideas dull down, we might delve into that musical theater cookbook. You're going to bring out your inner Julia Child? And it's like, you know, my fair lady mashed potatoes. Like, it's just... Mm, delicious. <laughs> With bits of, like, grit in it. Yeah, exactly. From yeah. the streets. Will somebody get us another drink? Welcome to Jim and Tomic's Musical Theater Happy Hour, your weekly podcast with Playbills and Perrier. How swanky. I know, right? We, yeah. are, we are the epitome. We are the most swankified place in town. We are. Da 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 da. I think that was the tune. That was um, close enough. I believe yeah. you. What's crossing your lips today? Uh, t- today I am drinking um, champagne, not ginger ale. I was literally going to say. <laughs> <sighs> I don't know. What can I be drinking? Um, I'm drinking many different herrings. <laughs> And just like blend it up with some that, ice. That sounds literally like the most disgusting thing I've ever. It's the heard new about. fad diet. You just you'll get into it. It's, it's yeah. blended blended herring. Yeah, exactly. Mmm, mm. mm, delicious. Um, okay, what the hell are we talking about? Well, um, the musical that we're going to be talking about this week, Tommy, is immensely funny from the get go. Mm-hmm. What a statement. Um, but many of its funniest moments developed from actor ad-libs and stage mishaps. What a caper. From accidentally throwing a coat across stage onto a coat rack and getting a standing ovation to being trapped on stage because of a malfunctioning door. Oh my goodness. What a disaster. 
What musical? I like your quiz question commentary. It's Thank like you. 2001 A Space Odyssey. No, not that. Uh, Mystery Science Theater. <laughs> um, one space I get those two confused in a bizarre crisscross in my yeah, mind. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah. Stanley Kubrick could have done Mystery Science Theater. <laughs> he basically did. What musical yeah. are we talking about, Jimmy? We're talking about the producers. I want to be a producer with a hit show on Broadway. I want to be a producer, lunch at Sardi's every day. I want to be a producer, sport a top hat and a cane. I want to be a producer and drive those chorus girls insane. Most people say wicked. Yeah, interesting. I so don't know. So it must know. be because of this, the it's like the apocryphal um, trapdoor story. Yeah, I wonder if it's more like it. It just seems like a law of averages. There are so many productions of Wicked, and it has been playing for so long that you're yeah, more likely to encounter onstage mishaps. Nobody throws a coat across the stage onto a coat rack in Wicked. <laughs> and Wicked. Not in the Wicked you've seen. That's true. Yeah, we have it different in the West End. No, but so uh, apparently when uh, Max and Leo meet for the first time um, and Max says to Leo like, oh, may I take your coat? And he's like, yes. And he hands him his coat and he goes, so you're an accountant. And Matthew Broderick goes, yes, I am. And Nathan Lane goes, so account for yourself and throws the coat over his shoulder and it flies across the stage and lands squarely on the coat rack to a standing ovation from the crowd. Yeah. As you would do. As it seems would. like that scene, like their first scene, uh-huh. classic podcast drinking moment. We'll go into this in, in a bit. It seems <laughs> like that scene is like the most ad lib scene in the whole of theatre. I, I think it is one of the funniest pieces of comedy <clears throat> that has it ever really been is. created, is that entire yeah. intro scene. But so uh, the producers, music and lyrics by Mel Brooks and book by Mel Brooks and Thomas Meehan. Um, did you know this? I only learned this. Brooks wanted Jerry Herman to work on this musical with him. Oh really? Can you imagine? Um, yeah. Well, uh, interesting, right? It told like I can I can see it, but it would be a very different show. It would be. Would it? I wonder if it would be really good. I think I Jerry know. Herman would get like the camp and the idea of it all. I think uh-huh. based on the stuff he writes, I imagine he would shy away from some of the <laughs> the yeah, grittier, more offensive. Is never stuff. gonna let that. Slide, right. you know what yeah. I mean? So I wonder if like that would be a weird match made in heaven. Yeah, and who knows? The 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 quote I read was Jerry Herman told Mel Brooks, Well, you should just write it because you you write good songs yourself. And uh-huh. so I wonder who, you know, makes it seem like Jerry was like, Oh no, I I don't need to write yeah. this with you. You're great. <laughs> You'll be fine. Good luck. <laughs> um and then oh, you know, Right. It kind of worked. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so yeah. it's based on Mel Brooks's original movie from the 60s, starring Gene Wilder and Zero Mostel. Fabulous. Kind of a cult movie. classic. Yeah, I would, I, I would say more than a cult classic. It's, yeah. the, it's the second highest rated comedy on Rotten Tomatoes below is The it? Wizard of Oz. Um, below The Wizard of Oz? Well, because The Wizard of Oz is a comedy ish and has a high rating, but. Yeah, Fascinating. It's up there as a popular, popular movie. Okay, well, there you go. And yeah, Mel Brooks is the, the master of... Of, of comedy. comedy of, of dark, <laughs> offensive, low-level comedy. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so this musical version opened on Broadway in 2001 with Nathan Lane and Matthew Broderick and ran for 2,500 performances. Yeah. 
ran for several years. Yeah, it, it did pretty darn well. Yeah. Um, and over in my neck of the woods, um, it opened up with Nathan Lane again um, and Lee Evans, who you'll have probably have no idea who he nope, is. Nope, never heard of Lee Actually, Evans. I think we've spoken about him before. Do you know that? Yeah, but I, I never like listened I've... to you, so, you know. He, he was in an episode of Doctor <laughs> Who, and I remember telling oh. you about that. Do you remember the Easter episode? No. It was the one um, where they drive the bus into the desert. Like, it goes through, like, a time loop and it goes oh, into I've the never, desert. Oh, I've never... That's one of the movies. I've never watched that one. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, you should. It was very good. Some great oh, acting. He, he looks familiar. He looks uh, like someone who could play um, Leo. <coughs> yeah, he's, he's like a, he's a British stand-up comic. He's very yeah. um, uh, slapsticky, like, old old school Marx Brothers-y uh, yeah. Yeah, style. Um and very very talented. So yeah. yeah, it was the two of them. Obviously not the whole way, but right. uh, the the show ran for three years over here too. So and then famously, this show was yes. a mega hit at the Tony Awards. It was nominated for fifteen awards and won twelve. It swept. It won every award it could. Yeah. Um, um. And it currently holds the record so yep. far. I mean, maybe Comet will, will match it. It'll ha- but it it is impossible to beat this record be- unless they invent a new Tony's category. Yeah, um, for musical theater, so exactly. it's pretty stunning. And that well, year, wait, at- wait, what if they bring back sound? They brought back sound, but sound also existed when the producers. Ran. But as in, they don't have sound at the moment. Yeah, they do. No, they don't. It's not back yet. It's back next season. Really? Yeah. Well, then who knows? <laughs> Do you know I run a musical theater YouTube channel? It's deceptive. People don't believe Do me when I tell them that. That's okay. <laughs> I I wondered that as well, but no. So that's there's the special honor mm-hmm. this year oh, because they're bringing it Oh, that's what it is because of um, they're giving it to the encounter. The encounter, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Um, so yeah, who knows? But either way, it's it's bloody great. And I think it was Hamilton beat it last year. Yeah, in nominations, sixteen nominations. Yeah. Well done, Hamilton. You bested <laughs> us again. Uh, so the producers, if you've... I mean, I find it surprising if people have never even seen it. Yeah, or in any of its incarnations. Because then it also became a... It it took the hairspray route from yes. straight movie to stage musical to movie musical. Yeah, um, exactly. And there's now the right. a movie musical version of it, too. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the producers... What? It's the story of... Um, Max Bialystok, shady mm-hmm. Broadway producer in the late 50s, yep. um, who, you know, is suffering from a string of flop musicals that is absolutely bankrupting him, and he doesn't know what to do. Um, and he, he meets cowardly accountant Leo Bloom, mm-hmm. who's there to do his books, and Leo Bloom has the d- inkling of an idea that you could make more money with a flop musical than with a hit musical, and they run with it. They do. So that, yeah, so the idea is that, um, you know, accountants never audit failed shows. Mm-hmm. So they'll never see where the money goes. So they plan uh, through Max Bialystok's um, League of Old Ladies, Rich Old Ladies, <laughs> so he um, touches and kisses and. Uh, I believe the word is stoops. Um, stoops. Yeah. There you Interesting. go. Interesting. Don't, that poli- don't say that in polite company. Um, Stoop. Yeah, there you go. Do I need to edit that out the podcast? Uh, only if we have any... No. <laughs> okay, cool. Step away. Um, <laughs> no, no, you're going to get in trouble. <laughs> hey. Um, so he apparently stoops these old ladies um, for uh, two million 
uh, dollars. Mm-hmm. One for me, one for you. Yep. And um, and then the continuation of the plan is to like put on the worst possible Broadway show that is guaranteed to flop. To flop. Yeah. So they hire the worst director in town. They find the worst show. Mm-hmm. They uh, cast the well. Hopefully, the worst actors. Um, and they go on to make a smash hit. Yeah, unexpectedly. Oh, no. Their their musical Springtime for Hitler is far more successful than they want. <laughs> exactly. Um, and so they end up going to prison um, and try and write a musical there. Yep. And live the happily end. ever after, basically. Yeah, exactly. So that's that. Yeah, um, that's it. it. Done. That's <laughs> End of. <laughs> thank you. We'll see you next week. Um, <laughs> no, what were you gonna say? I don't know. Um, oh, okay, cool. I lost it. Um, okay, cool. Um, and there's like other, you know, there's there's a peppering of a love story in there. And, yeah. Um, many many capers to be had. Neo Nazis, uh, caricatures of gay men. Um, yeah, characters of everything. Yeah. Basically. Old ladies, tap dance, Germans. John Barrowman. John Barrowman. Who knew? <laughs> so apparently apparently he had just, like, as the movie was released, he had uh-huh. just done The Empty Child, which means Jack Harkness was, like, just created. Really? That's and hilarious. I feel like that's that's the thing that blasted John Barrowman, wasn't it? Yeah, I, I think so. That's why yeah. everyone, like, we know him a wee bit more. Uh-huh. Do you know he was in Hey, Mr. Producer? Really? The thing that I talk about every five minutes. Um, yeah. <laughs> he sings uh, He sings The Fix, which is the one oh, that's like, yeah. one, two, three, that's yeah, how yeah, I yeah, feel yeah. about the future. Yeah. Um, and he's quite sexy. And I was like, I find you alluring, <laughs> young child. So, yep. Yeah. Um, so the producers, uh, I, would say, I would say that Mel Brooks trades very much in what he calls lower than low comedy. Um like and very well done but he you know it's offensive it's it is offensive yeah um especially the original movie um mm-hmm. but like done in that comedic way where you're like this is offensive and i'm laughing and i don't understand yeah it's is 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 pure satire you yes. know i mean it, it really really taps into that what that lovely fine line yeah um that many have tried to to replicate since but yeah. i feel like he does it so well because you you with with producers, I think more than your Avenue Qs and your Mormons, mm-hmm. um, it, you really you don't necessarily see it. Yeah, do you know what well, I mean? Well, and what what I like what I find so fascinating, like a lot of Mel Brooks's other works are mm. very similar to Springtime for Hitler. Like, mm-hmm. are you know so offensive that they're funny? Um, yeah, well, like Blazing Saddles. Yeah, absolutely. Blazing Saddles. You know uh, what I mean? And especially now, like, I don't know, is it especially nowadays? Are we more mean to it? Would it have been more shocking back then? I don't know. I mean, it's shocking. I don't know. All I can't around. tell. It, yeah, it's yeah. just perpetually shocking. Yeah. But so then it becomes this kind of like, because it's a show business show, it's this kind of meta analysis of the Mel Brooks style of this super offensive piece and how funny it becomes with just a couple tweaks here and there exactly um, which is of course why it does so well it's because like he understands that so deeply yeah right what you know as they say yeah um well perfect time to get in and chat a little bit about the movie i used to be the king the king of old broadway 
top to stay. Opening nights again You'll see my name in lights again I'll go from dark to brights again My spirit's high as kites again I'll never suffer slights again I'll taste those sweet delights again No plethora of flights again No blossoming of lights again No frantic fits or frights again Fame is in my sights again I'll take those fancy flights again I'm gonna scale the heights again Beyond a start will never drop Stock will be on top again. What's the French for for film? Uh, I, be, I believe it's baguette. Um, baguette, uh, oui. That's that's. You just that's... listened to Amelie. You should know because <laughs> it's so French, right? Oh God, I, we won't go into that. That's, Let us make that's... a vow to never do Amelie. That's a topic for another podcast. It is not. I don't want to do that ever. <laughs> so so the original producer's film came out in 1968, mm-hmm. um, and is it's contemporaneously set. So it's set in 1968 as well. Yeah. Um, which is one of the primary differences I think between the film and the musical is they backdate the musical to like nine. 1959-ish? Yeah, it's, it's like um, early golden age. Like a good decade before, which actually seems more appropriate for musical theater making time. Um, yeah. But less appropriate for a producer being down on his luck. Um, yeah. But I I also don't think the audience going into the producers is like, well, wait a minute, what, in 1959, musicals were doing great. How could he be? Like, no one cares. Yeah. <laughs> Some people just failed. Um, so yeah, and... I mean, in terms of the actual story, mm. for the most part, it is very similar. It's very similar. Um, and there are some scenes taken, you know, whole cloth from the movie. Yeah. And just plot. Like the whole, that that scene we were talking about with the begin- the intro scene with Max and Leo yeah. is like word for word, line for line, straight out of the movie. Yep. And it is that kind of thing of like, why change gold? Yeah. Because it is, is gold. And like, it feels like a Noel Coward, like, mm-hmm. play. Do you know what I mean? Like a yeah. standard comic Play. It is it is a farce. It is so it is such a funny introduction to these characters. Yeah. And it sets you up that this world is bizarre and weird and above the normal, um, which yeah. you need for this kind of show, because if you take this show too seriously, it's not funny. Absolutely. I mean, so I saw I saw the film when I was really young, like mm-hmm. and we're talking like eight years old or something here. It oh god. Really, yeah, I know. <laughs> like and not not in the sense it was like oh inappropriate you shouldn't be watching that but just i didn't i never really got it and the main thing i got from it was mm-hmm. i feel so uncomfortable because this is just odd like why are people <laughs> screaming why is this gay man mm-hmm. you know why is this man got a flower in his shirt like all of these things <laughs> yeah. um it just felt very very odd and i, I think though because i obviously watched it again recently for this uh-huh. and i still had the same kind of feeling though yeah do you know what I mean? It has that 60s, that that, yeah. that thing. I don't Absolutely. know what this thing is. We've, we've talked about this a lot now. But the 60s thing, yeah. This the like 60s, 60s early 70s thing, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, certainly in this show, very primarily, it has a lot to do with Lorenzo Saint-Dubois. Um, uh, who, the, one of the, pretty much the only character that didn't survive to the musical. 
Yeah, pretty much. And I'm so sad about it. Oh, I think it's fine. <laughs> no, I love it. Because I, honestly, like that's love power is the thing yeah. that I remember most. So from if, the film. if people are only familiar with the musical version, which I was for the longest time, um, th- instead of having uh, uh, Franz Liebkin um, play Hitler in Springtime for Hitler, they yeah. actually cast this crazy drugged up acid freak whose initials are LSD. Yeah, to play Hitler in yeah. and he's a springtime. he's a proper like flower child. Yes, um, of that era. Yes, um, and his Hitler is more of like a sort of a a snappy beatnik. Uh-huh. Uh, light style which you know again is, is contemporary so i can understand okay you that would be have funny someone... to audiences in 1968 yes i think um but yeah so if you're setting your play in the 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 early 50s then you can't flower child be haven't to... been born yet yeah. yeah sadly um but that song is so good <laughs> it is a very funny song yes it's it so good. so obviously it'll be in the show notes and, and do go and enjoy it because it's mm-hmm. actually do you know what he's just a he's a fantastic actor What's uh-huh. his name? Let's say his name. Uh, I got it right here. Um, Dick Thanks. Sean. Dick Sean. I bet you he's like huge, and everyone's gonna be like, "You don't know Dick Sean? You don't know Dick Sean? He's oh been in this God. and this and this and this. Actually, he looks kind of huge. <laughs> yeah, he's been in a million things. Has he? <laughs> it's a mad, 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 mad world. Um, oh, okay. Uh, the year without a Santa Claus. He was the voice of Snow Miser. I'm Mr. Snow Miser. I'm Weirdly, Mr. we've Cold. had this discussion before, and you know right? I haven't seen this. <laughs> yeah, I know, but I can remind you of the discussion we had previously. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> that's weird. Why does that come up again? All right. Um, so, yeah, so that's probably one of the main, main differences. Yes, and um, I would say the musical ends and kind of continues on a, a bit of a happier note. Um, the, yes. The movie is darker in its creation in its existence and you don't really get the the nice happy payoff at the end of the film yeah no um these are like bad people who get their comeuppance and you laugh at them exactly Um, whereas in the musical they become more sympathetic characters that you're rooting for in spite of their deep deep flaws the villainy yeah (laughs) the villainy that exists yeah um but yeah, and I, but I find this really interesting actually because when I was listening to the musical uh-huh. and then in Keep It Gay, um, uh-huh. when you know uh, Rogers like you know a musical should be fun, it should be lighthearted, mm-hmm. it should have a happy ending. And I'm like, oh, yeah. that's quite nice because it calls back to yeah, um, the way that this musical ends. Yes, as opposed to you know yeah. the dark and sordid film. I do. Um, so controversial question. Yeah. Let's say we're talking the stage Broadway musical versus the original straight movie. A st- stage Broadway musical. As opposed to the movie version of it. So yes. just like the 2001 stage musical versus the 1968 movie. Uh-huh. Forgetting the order they existed in, which form do you think is a better telling of this story? Um... the film really yes because it's more my kind of thing okay what do you what do you mean well i like my you know lynchian style weirdness that Mm -hmm. 70s thing that we can't hit on yeah that we can't nail down do you know what i mean that's Um, true and that to be honest as much as as much as there's so much stuff pinched from the 
the film, uh-huh. that tone doesn't it's actually gone. exist in the musical. No. Exactly. And I guess because when you put something on a Broadway stage, it's heightened right. so much. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Where Now, were this a stage play, mm-hmm. I think it would have elements of that. Yeah, I agree. But you you can almost forgive someone like Roger Elizabeth Debris and Carmen Ghia being the way they are uh-huh. when it's a musical because you expect a man to be in a gown when he's singing See, a song called And <laughs> that is why I think my answer would be the opposite. I think this right. pure story fits better as a musical because mm-hmm. of exactly that. In yeah. the movie, like in the context of the movie, when you enter this you know, hyper-stereotypical satire of a gay man's residence and life. And, like, you Mm -hmm. see this whole thing is hilarious, don't get me wrong. But because this is a show about, this is a movie about laughing at the characters, Mm -hmm. there's something about that that, like, mmm. And it's, you know, this is what Mel Brooks does. But it it twists me a little bit. I'm like, mmm, you're being funny, and I find it a little offensive Uh because it's, Mm. But when it's, you know, when he arrives in a gown to an orchestra underscore and then starts singing and then, like, starts dancing, it's like there is no verisimilitude. There is no semblance of suggestion that this is real life. And so I'm like, yeah. <laughs> what, what a ridiculous thing. Like, exactly. It, it exactly. lets me get past it a little more. Yeah. So, yeah, I would agree with that. I think it makes more sense as a musical. Okay. I think me personally, I think I prefer it as a film. But that's because I'm a weirdo. I'm a freak, baby. <laughs> We're I all weirdos. I want your love. And I want your... Um, did you know it was uh, meant to be a book? Really? Yep. His initial idea was to turn it into a book. Um, really boring yeah uh but basically he just i think he just never he never kind of thought of himself as a writer Mm -hmm. as in of like novel um and yeah so uh changed it into a film after we will um and there's there's quite a lot of um discussion he's never said this Mm -hmm. but about um the characters okay and and where they came from yeah so basically i mean he has he has said that you know max bialystok exists like is based you know on I mean? a, yeah. a producer he once met <clears throat> and and leo bloom exists and then there was me- much talk at the time that mm-hmm. it was it was in fact a parody of of david merrick um mm-hmm. who produced hello dolly mm-hmm. but um his official statement was that uh i've got the quote here so he says that max and leo are me the ego and id of my personality. Bialystok, <laughs> whose tough scheming, full of ideas, bluster, ambition, would pride, and Leo, this magical child. Um, but I don't doubt that. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> it's probably literally just. Bing, yeah, and... the char- the characters are too like, despite how satirical and comical they are, they're too complex to not yeah. be based in some reality. Yeah, exactly. Um, and it would, you know, maybe not even the bit you'd expect because mm-hmm. he'd, he'd say that. Um, He'd, he'd once worked with a guy who, uh, even though he was well into his 60s, made love with a different little old lady every <laughs> afternoon on his leather couch <laughs> in his office. It's dark. Yeah. It, it is such a bizarre tangling of, like, really weird character traits. Yeah. And, like, passed off as, like, of course this is the way this works. Like, yes. Absolutely. I have a bunch, you know, this one's hold me, touch me, you know bite me chew me whatever their names are like. <laughs> and you're like oh it's funny and i and like that and yeah it must be real of course yeah 
and he is part werewolf so there's that <laughs> um yeah so yeah the film is great and i would definitely recommend watching the film totally it is it is a comedic masterpiece Absolutely. Uh, zero zero mustel and gene wilder two yeah like beautiful comics of the golden age absolutely um, like, did, you, did gene wilder ever do a music like a stage musical i don't know if he's ever done a stage musical he certainly was in willy wonka yeah um, and he i know he had a series a serious stage acting career Oh, I don't know. There's there's an anecdote about how he got on this show, and I don't remember where I read it, but something to do with he was playing a role in a really serious show on uh-huh. on stage. I don't know quite where. I want to say it was like Mother Courage or something. Okay, um, cool. And kept making the audience laugh in his role, but like accidentally, because right, um, okay. it's a drama. And he was like, I can't, I don't, I'm not supposed to be funny. Yeah. Um, and somehow that led to Mel Brooks seeing him and considering him for this role because Amazing. he is funny. Yeah. Um, something like that. I'm sure uh-huh. someone will tell us the but actual it's, story. But it's so true because he does, he is so deadpan and yeah. fantastic. And Young Frankenstein as well. Mm-hmm. Um it just they're yeah. they're almost a little match made in heaven. Yeah, because I, to kind of deliver Mel Brooks's work, you uh-huh. need to take it seriously and kind of fight through any of the obvious comedy. Yeah. Um, well, and how interesting that they are both stage and maybe musical actors. Like, part yeah, of exactly. me, part of me really wants an alternate universe where there's a musical version of this with Zero Mustel and Gene Wilder. Like, I know. Can you imagine? And, and it's like we get real close with Nathan Lane and Matthew Broderick, and you know they give those characters different dimension and depth than yep. their predecessors. But man, that would be pretty. Like that's what I want my time travel machine to do. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, let's have another nice natural seg. Yeah, that was good. I like they really natural. Usually, when you say like "let's segue here," let's I have a nice natural seg. Adds <laughs> adds to the the naturalism. The naturality. <laughs> with lucky landslots you can get lucky just about anywhere dearly beloved we are gathered here today to has anyone seen the bride and groom Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Well, yeah, I want to talk a little bit about Nathan Lane. Mm-hmm. Um, because uh, the man's a genius. Uh, we, I rewatched it again today. I, you know, of course I watch clips of old Tony's telecasts because that's my life. Um, one of my favorite ones. So they had the year they won all the Tony's. They had Nathan Lane and Matthew Broderick host the Tony's, which is ridiculous. Um, 
But the award for best actor was going to be given right after they performed their number from the producers, which was Little Old Ladyland. And usually, after you perform your number, you put your tux back on and you go sit down. But if there's no time, you have to stand backstage in your costume. And so Matthew Broderick and Nathan Lane in costume backstage, both nominated. um, And they're like going through and reading it. And it's Dame Edna. Who's giving the award? Fascinating. <laughs> Which, like, w- making jokes about the Bush family and like really quaint <laughs> political jokes too. And I'm like, oh, what if? Like, she's like, oh, we need to give the Bush family an atlas because we don't know if they know where Europe is. And I'm like, oh, what a nice, lighthearted political joke, man. Those were the days. Um, but then they I cut to Nathan Lane and Matthew Broderick backstage, who are like both nominated and you know i would never know how to react in those shots they go to you like before you get the award and like especially they've been sweeping all night so chances are one of them is gonna get it Uh and they've been hosting all night and they're so close and they're standing next to each other and nathan lane gets the award and he grabs matthew broderick and drags him out on stage like much against his will um and like matthew broderick keeps trying to get away um and nathan lane is like no come on stage with me and is very graciously like i must accept the war this award on behalf of both of us i am uh-huh. nothing without matthew yeah you know it is a joy and a pleasure to work with him and then he hands him the tony award and he says and if you're nice we'll go out for ice cream later uh, <laughs> And it is like, and then it's, this is the Tony speech to watch, people. Um, He thanks everyone by memory from the heart and, like, can name everyone out and, like, and has a really nice dedication for his mom. It is, Mm -hmm. I'm turning into man in chair as the the days go by. (laughs) He said, thank you, take take a drink. (laughs) Yeah. If he can get through all of that, whatever, (laughs) six minutes, whatever it is. Anyway, Nathan Lane um, is a, a treasure and a gift to society. He really, really is. But what I think is so odd is why isn't he like the biggest actor ever? I I think it really seems he likes what he does and he does what he likes. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, have you have you watched the bloopers of the movie version of the producers? Yeah. Highly recommended if you're ever feeling sad and down. Um, and, like, the show is hilarious and really difficult to record on a quiet set, I imagine, um, where, like, the 100-person crew has to sit there and not laugh at the exactly. funny jokes. Um, and they have quite the time of it trying to record some of these things. And to watch Nathan Lane, like, crack up and lose his lines and ad-lib and just have so much fun, yeah. like, it, it's, it's a beautiful thing. I wish I could love something as much as Nathan Lane loves acting. Because, I mean, obviously he does a lot of theatre. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I mean, so he's in he's in um, Angels in America at the moment over mm-hmm. here, um, which is I'm in a long bit of depression because I won't see it. But <laughs> um, So I, I wonder if it's just, he. maybe you're right, maybe he just does what he wants to do. Maybe yeah. he's, like, noble. Yeah, um, and I mean, he's had, plenty, he's had plenty of screen roles. I mean, you know, talk about the birdcage, talk about... The other movies exactly <laughs> no but that no ex- no but you, that's the point is he's done the birdcage yeah he was he had a bit part in gold member yeah and i mean he's he in plenty Beyonce's of mouth like he's in plenty of plenty of tv shows oftentimes as himself mm. um and that's it like he's a treasure there's like a national treasure so yeah i've got a bubble in my throat <laughs> he's a national treasure um <laughs> 
but I'm just surprised because like I just feel you know you need a you need a strong comic actor mm-hmm. I just feel you can look no further oh absolutely you um, know yeah no but I don't know I guess he hasn't done Ex- exactly too many movies it's so because the thing is the first crazy. is amazing yeah I think he's just he's just a stage actor. There's also yeah. something about it, and I think um, maybe if later we talk about the new movie musical adaptation and some of the flaws it ran into, the problems it ran into. Yeah, um, he you know is so larger than life. Like mm-hmm. the Nathan Lane needs a house of a thousand yeah. to you know make him really work. Like certainly he I does totally wonderful give screen you that, stuff, actually. but he's got so much more energy than that, and so much more dynamic than that um that it it seems almost confining to put him on a screen unless it's in a ridiculously larger than life role in which case you know something like the birdcage or a lot of his other appearances make perfect sense beyonce's mouth yeah Uh uh-huh that's true actually i never really thought of that maybe he just doesn't not that not that it's an inability it's just that you know you don't put a stopper on greatness yeah <laughs> right nathan um, you don't put a stopper on greatness that's it you can have and that like, for free nathan <laughs> i don't mind and and it's easy to you know people pish bosh comedy and you shouldn't when it comes to nathan lane um but talk about like he's committed to these roles infamously he shaved part of the middle of his head for the role of max bialystok to make it look like he had thinning hair yeah. like there's you know he he goes for it, man. It's commitment, biatch. Um, so yeah, we mentioned a wee bit earlier there about the ad libs, mm-hmm. and obviously that was the, the source of the quiz question. So it seems like they just it happened every other night. Yeah, I found I found like a thread. Oh um, yeah, there's on, like, a bro- million worlds. Yeah, and oh, cracking open another one, eh? Hey, I don't know what you're talking about. Tony's night, eh? <laughs> it's Tony's hey. night. We're 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 double dipping today. We're on a tight schedule. <laughs> oy, oy. What is that? That's uh, a true blonde ale from Ska Brewing. Ska. Yeah. Ska. Um, so yeah, so I found, uh, uh, yeah, just a list of thread of people basically saying what happened on their night of the producers. Mm-hmm. Um, and literally just relentless. Yeah. Absolutely relentless. Um, and, and so like the other one we mentioned that became part of the movie and a part of the show yes. was on the um, the rooftop set, Friends, Friends Liebkin's pigeon rooftop. They were exiting at the end of the scene and the door got stuck when Nathan Lane went to open it. And he ad-libbed some line that was like, trapped, trapped like rats on a roof with a madman. And then like got it open and was like, we're good. But it was so funny that they just, he just kept it. Exactly. And it seems like, so most of the people have said, and there's, I've even read it, um, there's a great book mm-hmm. uh, called A Year with the Producers. Uh-huh. Um, and it's got a couple of anecdotes in it. And one of them is about the line um, when he's going through the cardinal rules about mm-hmm. uh, being a Broadway producer. Uh-huh. And obviously, the, you know, don't put your own money into the <laughs> show. and then, Don't put, put your own, own money. <laughs> um and apparently, like, just most nights, you could never get through that line because of <laughs> um, Matthew's face of just being like, uh-huh. Oh, it's I mean? so funny. Um, and that, I mean... one, so there's this one night uh-huh. where um, he, like, tried to get through it, like, three times. So it, this night as well, like, the audience were kind of dead, mm-hmm. um, which I don't understand. But, hey, it happens. Yeah. Um, and so we're sort of like, you know, they kind of reached this level of expectation where it was, oh, it's the producers. This is really funny. Um, mm. So they were just kind of waiting for it. Uh-huh. Um, and so this was happening. And then 
he tried to get through it, tried to get through it, um, and then just started like doing a back and forth with Matthew Broderick. Um, <laughs> I don't know how long this must have been going on for, um, but then obviously the audience were starting to kind of get into it. Right. And then um, he basically walked over uh, to where the ca- behind the couch was, uh-huh. um, laid down, was like, I'm just going to take a nap. Uh then made a comment about Mariah Carey because she had just been in the news that day or something and the audience were going crazy. Um, Then he got back up, um, finished the line and then opened the window and pretended to jump out of it. And then came back, like crawled round as if he'd crawled from the whole thing, came back on. It was like, it's okay. It was only one floor down. And it's just like, what the hell? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But it, it but, I mean, that is that is Nathan Lane. That is his comedy. Is like take take that risk and then multiply it times a hundred. Absolutely, because the thing is, so this is it about ad libbing. Mm-hmm. Um, you can only do it if you're a master of it. Yeah, and if you're like ridiculously confident. Yeah. Uh huh. And it's it's like because that is he almost needs that. It's, he's like a mm-hmm. Jim Carrey kind of vibe. He needs yeah. that. Um, to kind of, it's almost like to diffuse himself. Mm. Do you know what I mean? I imagine him, what's that um, Marvel superhero? No, not Marvel superhero. Um, Nathan Petrelli in Heroes, that's who it is. <laughs> when he's like the the bomb and he needs to just yeah. like let it all out. Um, I feel like he's like that. Yeah. Um, but then you see, I've seen it so much now. Uh, and not even, not even amateur shows, professional shows mostly tours mm-hmm. where they'll kind of fling in these ad libs that are so cheap yeah. so unwarranted yeah um and just oh they just make my skin crawl no, you gotta you gotta earn that ad lib like you really really do um but did you know that there's this new trend going around uh-huh. where um they're writing in ad libs into the producers no, into any production. So, for example, there's one in hair, uh, hair mm-hmm. hairspray, <laughs> very different. Uh, in hairspray, the sequel to hair hairspray. Yes, it is. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, and it's in in your timeless to me, mm-hmm. and it was in the the Michael Ball production. Mm-hmm. Um, and they'd written it in that they would just kind of like start just break out and laughing, even if that wasn't what was happening mm. they just corpse and it's like that's then not corpsing it's just right no it's just weird yeah. it's a strange trend that's happening more and more because obviously people know especially in this kind of youtube generation that we live in where people gunning for all oh, this special moment this was right. so funny and yeah because you like, do feel the night i got to see the show the this thing happened. exactly so you do yeah. feel kind of special because you're like oh my god they broke out a character it was so good you had to be there kind of thing right like snl vibe yeah um and it's but now people like cashing in on that and it just yeah ruins that feels it. it feels a little a little, ugh, a little exactly a little, and you forget slimy. that yeah, that there's there is there's an almost an art form to it. Right. Oh, there's um, absolutely an art form to it. Your your ad lib needs to be, you know, at least five times as funny as the lines in the show. So yeah. unless you trust yourself with that, <laughs> don't you dare. Exactly. Exactly. Let that be a warning to you all. Yeah, we'll we'll come and find you. We will. Jimmy and I will stand up in the back <clears throat> and walk out of your show. <laughs> with with maybe like a little mini stomp in there. Like, I'll wear uh, heels. Yeah, good. I'll, I'll go. Click, I'll wear out there. I'll wear a giant fruity hat to block the people behind me. Yeah. Ha ha ha. Um. So there you go. Uh. Before we before we move away from the actors though, I do want to say 
especially in this day and age. <laughs> if you never saw it when it came around the first time, mm-hmm. uh, from Jimmy Kimmel, I think. Oh Fallon. yeah, uh, um, one of the one of the late night hosts. Yeah, uh, they did a, a sketch called Trumped. Um, uh, and it was and, the the, re, the great reunion of, of Leo Bloom and, and, and Max Bialis. It's from a simpler time when <laughs> I know. How, how was that from a simpler time? <laughs> no, and it totally was. Oh my god! Oh man! I but know. if you need if you need some some good nostalgia about how life used to be before the president, everything, just means. everything. Um, Have you heard yeah. about British politics? You probably haven't heard much about it. I've heard bits and pieces, and like I understand maybe half of it, but it sounds yeah. crazy sauce. I'll give you an explanation later. <laughs> it's a joy. Um, so yeah, go have some fun with Max and Leo. Um, <laughs> and I guess you should say Matthew Broderick's also great, but he's just different. Matthew Broderick is hilarious in this role. I think it's, you know, I have loved Matthew Broderick since uh, mm. Ferris Bueller's Day Off, you know. Absolutely. Absolutely. Election. Have you ever seen Election? I've not seen Election. Oh my good grief. It's Matthew Broderick and a baby Reese Witherspoon. Not a baby, <laughs> but like a young Reese Witherspoon. A two-year-old Reese Witherspoon. Two years old. Um, it's incredible. It's so funny. Really? It's about a high school uh, election. Really? I mean, what's interesting, in when um, the producers came out, Matthew Broderick was on the tail end of a couple flop movies. Um, right, especially okay. the American Godzilla. Um Oh my god! Right? Oh my god! Was, I forgot he was in that. Right? Which was awful. Yeah. Um, and then hit it big with this. And this was m- maybe his musical theater debut. Um, but either way, well done, Matthew. We love you too. Yeah, his eyes are hilarious. His eyes, his face is great. Because fa- his... the thing is, is like to fill Gene Wilder's shoes. Yeah. I would be terrified. Oh, absolutely. But the the control Matthew Broderick has over his face is stunning. Yeah, <laughs> like you absolutely. You could watch, especially the the movie, um, the movie musical. You watch the whole thing through. Spend the whole time watching Matthew Broderick in the background. Yeah, um, exactly. A- anytime something hilarious or weird happens, he's like, "Oh, what? Yeah." Oh? Well, Gene Hackman often said that that um, Leo Bloom is kind of like the audience. His, yeah. you know, and he doesn't he doesn't have many lines, and he's mostly just there to react to all of the nonsense that's going around. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's that's a hundred percent. That's true. That, I, that role. I really I never thought about it that way, but that yeah. is a brilliant description. Yeah, there's a great there's a really great documentary attached to it's like the make basically the making of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll link it in the show notes. These have been a good show notes this week. <laughs> um, so yeah, we'll we'll link that in there. Um. But yeah, really, really good. Well done, guys. Well done, Woo. lads. Yes. Do more. Do more together. Please. I don't know what. They did do um uh, uh the it's only a play. Right, okay. Which I know nothing about. Um, but I know they're in it. And I'm sure they're in it because people like them together. Yeah, um, they're just cute. It's like yeah. you could ship them. It'd be yeah. weird. Is that a, is it's only a play on Broadway right now? Starring Nathan Lane and Matthew Broderick? No, because Nathan Lane's over here. 2014. <laughs> this is 2017. I was never very good at math. That's okay. Welcome <laughs> to this year. It's not going very well. And now it's springtime for Hitler and Germany. Deutschland is happy and decaying. We are marching to a faster pace. 
that is difficult to post pictures on Facebook of. <laughs> yeah, you wouldn't cosplay the producers. Right? There's, I, I think of this because there was a, um, when Title of Show was on and, like, doing all of its Title of Show internet-y things, mm-hmm. um, they ha- had a bunch of, like, fan submission video stuff. Um, and one of them, I think, was nine people's favorite things and, like, hold up a sign that says something, something on it or whatever. Um, and, of course, a bunch of musical theater people sent in photos of them with their community theater productions, like, doing the whatever thing, including, like, a whole group of people dressed up as Nazis sending in the whatever thing. And it had, like, a big caption underneath that was, like, from a musical production of the producers, <laughs> That was, you know, it was like not Nazis. They're not Nazis. Yeah, this uh-huh. is like, so there's, it's it's it is a it is a taboo. There are taboo subjects discussed in this musical that only make sense in the context of the whole show. Yeah, um, and even then, are cause for some some controversy. I know. So yeah, I mean, again, we kind of need to call back to the the film, the original film, because it mm-hmm. was it was panned. It was yeah. really really panned because people just say this is completely tasteless. Yeah, you can't do this. Um, and I think I wonder if that's why you think it's a cult classic is because it's not like it didn't do well at the beginning. Be- yeah, like beloved. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but and it was still that's the thing is it was still thoroughly enjoyed by audiences and everyone were rating it so highly but the critics mm. were just like no you can't do right. this basically yeah. um which is very very interesting and then so but i feel the interesting point comes mm-hmm. from with the musical mm-hmm. nobody batted an eyelid i wonder th- i mean it seems like such the simple explanation of the cure of time. Yeah. The difference between 1968 and 2001. Yeah. Um, and like how more global we are as a society. And I think, you know, we, we talk, I think the bar for censorship and tabooness goes down a couple inches every decade or so. Certainly it fluctuates mm-hmm. in the short term, but mm-hmm. I think in the long term, you know, you can say more and more things on television um, yeah, the you know Lucy and Ricky had to sleep in separate beds, but the the Bradys could sleep in the same bed. Like <laughs> yeah. you see these things, you know, trickle down. And I, I mm-hmm. think by two thousand and one, I don't know, maybe we're more able to laugh at these things and like yeah. poke fun and like satirize this. I feel like I mean I'm trying to think, but I do feel like producers was probably one of the first times 
that kind of happened and really probably started paying paving the way mm-hmm. for your spring awakenings for your avenue Qs, for yeah. your book of mormons's yeah um well and, es- and especially those last two which absolutely capitalize on the musical theater form to yep. get their satire across exactly exactamundo um so yeah i feel it yeah in many ways that I paved the way, but I think in many ways it did it so correctly. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And I think um, this all comes down to Mel Brooks. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's a great, just need to jump in right here, there's a great documentary um, YouTube video, like a YouTube video essay, I guess, Yeah. um, from a gal called Shay Lindsay. She does these amazing um, uh, YouTube essays, like I say, um, about different movies and, and topics in cinema. Mm-hmm. Um, she's really, really great. I recommend them all. She does one on Rent as well. Um, and basically she goes into a lot about the kind of ethics of satire about the Nazis specifically. Yes. Um, and how Mel Brooks fits into that. Mm-hmm. Um, and she talks a lot about Blazing Saddles as well. Um, but just how he... And it's not because he's Jewish... Mm-hmm. and kind of unashamedly Jewish, not that you should be ashamed to be Jewish, but um, is very, you know, outspokenly Jewish, I should say. Um, it, and it isn't because that, he's not saying, I'm Jewish, so therefore I can make these jokes. Right. Um, he just looks at it from the point of view of why we need satire yeah. in a society. Yeah. Um, you know, this idea that it's important to kind of laugh at these things because if you don't, it's giving it power, that kind of thing. Yeah, that's true. It's like a boggart. It is like a boggart. You have to change it into something funny to get rid of it. Mm-hmm. It is. Um, I, I do think the producers treads a really fine line because we go from a, a ridiculous satire of a neo-Nazi on a roof where he trains pigeons, including one named Adolf. That is like absolutely ridiculous and we're supposed to laugh at and find absolutely ridiculous yeah to a scathing satire of a gay director Mm -hmm. um which you know on on the compendium of morality and things we like in our world and things we don't like in our world we don't like neo-nazis but we do like gay people Uh um and i think i think mel brooks gets away with it but it is Putting putting all these things in the same show is dangerous. And he's setting himself up because the reason the satire of the Nazis works out is because this super flamboyant gay man plays Hitler, yeah. um, which is like – and then you feel the satire because you know homosexuals were prosecuted by the, you know, by the Nazis um, and persecuted by the Nazis. Yeah. And – so then it's like insults to injury that which is how Franz Liebkin then reacts is like you have dishonored the memory of Adolf Hitler and you're like exactly. good f you like yeah uh-huh. that's why and he gets why Springtime from Hitler was such a success exactly Do you know what I mean because that would that would work and I guess like Springtime from Hitler Springtime for Hitler and Book of Mormon mm-hmm. aren't a gazillion miles away from each other right Do you know yeah. what I mean um, yeah. And so it, that's why it works is because you are laughing at the the things um, 
I don't have a point to make. I do on this topic. One of the most interesting things, and I've known about this for a while, but I did a bunch more research on it for this. Mm. Um, the first production of the producers that premiered in Germany. Yeah. Premiered in Berlin in 2009. Um, I don't know a lot about German theater, but at least according to the research I've done, this sh- the production premiered in an old theater that had a box specifically built for Hitler um, and like had been torn down maybe a couple years prior. Mm. But still, there was a lot of trepidation and nervousness about this. Like you're not allowed to show the swastika in Germany. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's props in the show. Like, <laughs> yeah. Um, and, you know, there were definitely mixed opinions before it premiered on like, can we – can we do this? Are we okay, like, mm-hmm. laughing at this and, you know, making a joke out of something that is pretty serious, especially mm-hmm. to, you know, German culture? Well, so, um, t- so tied into their history, more so yeah. than, than anywhere else. Yeah. Um, and, you know, from it's, it's hard to find uh, a lot of reviews and talk about this, but from what I heard, the vast majority of people thought it was really funny. Yeah. Um, there was a lot of, like, they ended up, they were not allowed to use the swastika in any um, advertisements, so they actually, they just replaced it with a pretzel. Um, like, literally, they had big <laughs> flags outside of the theater that look exactly like Nazi flags, but instead uh-huh. of swastika, it's a black pretzel. Um, Excellent. Which is like, what? Um, but then they did use actual swastikas in the show, okay, um, including the armbands at the very beginning. Yeah. And according to one of the reviews, that was a moment where the audience was like, because oh, like seeing seeing this symbol that is illegal in your country and like you know has all this connotation and weight associated with it in. A very funny context, maybe. Yeah. I could see how that's like, oh, God, are we allowed to laugh at this? Yeah. Can we find this funny? Yeah. Or is this just going to be in really poor taste? Yep. So it's it's fascinating to me. Mm. Um, no, definitely. Yeah. And, the, and the thing is as well, I think it's important to note, like the Germans love their musical theater. Mm-hmm. It's so, musical theater is huge in Germany. Yeah. Um, and... So I can imagine them, obviously, you know, seeing how popular the producers was, mm-hmm. it'd be very important to them to get a production of it. Yeah. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Because it's um, good musical theatre. Exactly. I Absolutely. Um, and I guess that is, that, you know, theatre's the place that we get away with stuff like this. That's the, right. with the, the place that we can have these conversations. Yeah. Um, in whatever kind of guise they take. Yeah. Uh, but I wonder, you know, we're, <laughs> we live in strange and interesting times. I mean, it's it's worth noting, yesterday, yesterday, 2017, in June, in Denver, Colorado, there was a neo-Nazi ra- rally two blocks from where I live right now. Yeah. Um, and, like, that's... I know. You know things there there's some hate coming back out there's some of the the thing this is satirizing coming back out yeah um and i don't know it i would wonder when we're gonna feel okay like we are in political turmoil right now in Mm -hmm. a bunch of different ways across the country i won i wonder what the what the timeline is on that when are we gonna feel okay absolutely satirizing this again and not in Mm. the snl way where you like laugh and cry at the same time because you're like oh god yeah it is awful ah yeah um but when you know we'll be far enough past it again yeah nope it's a good question 
I don't have the answer, I'm afraid. I don't think that's one for Reddit. I don't think they'll have the answer either. Um, so, I mean, yeah, because obviously we we hit on these musicals every now and then. Tell me where we'll, you know, love them or maybe not love them as much. But, you know, hit into the fact that they might not be necessarily, you know, doing it the right way. Yeah. But I feel like I can't say that about the producers at all. I feel like I can't say that about the producers in 2001. I, right. I I could see a future where maybe there's parts of the satire of the producers that is a little too close to home. Uh-huh. Um, you know, like there's, which it, like it makes me deeply, darkly sad on the inside. Um, but, you know, 2001 was a different time from 2017. It definitely um, was, but 1969 was a different time to 2001. That's point Do you know taken. what I mean? Yeah. Um, it, it was a lot closer to the actual event. Yeah, um, I, I think that is that is, of course, at its core, the argument over the nature of this show. Like, yeah. is 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 the satire satirical enough that it's okay, or mm-hmm. is it so close to the source that you're actually reinforcing the thing you're attempting to satirize? Yeah, um, and. I don't think anyone leaves the producers going like, aha, yes, and now I will become a Nazi. Um, like, <laughs> I, I can't imagine if you're that audience member, you vastly misunderstood the show. Absolutely. Um, yeah, there's just something wrong with your brain chemistry there. Right, afraid. exactly. Right. Um, but, you know, it, it is, it's also, I do think it helps that it is not actually a show about Nazis, yeah, exactly. No, uh, you know, completely. like it's not like, like the, it features, sure, <laughs> but featuring Nazis. A, yeah, I know, <laughs> but like you know, it also features old ladies, and, right, and uh, transvestite men, yeah, like right, like it's super caricatures of everything, exactly. Um, and yeah, it's yeah, it's it's as much a show about pigeons as it is about. Nazis that's that's a great ways. comparison. It's as much a show about pigeons as it is about Nazis. Mm-hmm. Um, and both are equally comical. And so you can only take one as seriously as you take the other. Exactly. And those pigeons are great. <laughs> <laughs> ah, I'm the little pigeon. <laughs> so depressed, it's hard to sell a ticket on Broadway. Show should be more pretty. Show should be more witty. Show should be more. What's the word? Gay? Exactly. No matter what you do on the stage, keep it light, keep it bright, keep it gay. Whether it's murder, mayhem, or rage, don't complain, it's a pain, keep it gay. People want laughter when they see a show. The last thing thereafter is a litany of woe. A happy ending will pep up your play. Oedipus won't bomb if he winds up with mom. Keep it gay. Keep it gay. Keep it gay. So I find, Tommy, every time we talk about a musical, we barely talk about the musical. (laughs) I I do think the producers, especially, is a great musical to study the kind of, um... I don't know, plot structure and tropes of musical theater because yes. it's very, this musical's great, 
But as far as the structure is concerned, it's very surface level. There is Uh no B-plot. This is just an A-plot musical. We never, like, it's never like, meanwhile, back on the farm, and, like, Mm. you go to the other place. Um, It has really clear-cut I want songs. Um, It has really clear-cut, like, exposition songs. Um, It's, like, it's good to study it for that reason um yeah, it's certainly totally. not the like the best example of it because of that because it's so simplistic mm-hmm. and doesn't take advantage or bend the form in a lot of ways um but it does you know it makes it easier to study it's like reading dr seuss when you're learning how to read yeah but i mean it's one of those still so many people use the monomath like oh yeah it's everywhere still um and i feel like in many ways like the producer is just a good master class on it yeah um because you know it's um with with the oh what's the one in the monomyth structure where it's like you're the the baddie comes in and um tests allies and enemies mm-hmm. um so other examples in other musicals would be um uh in for example like uh little shop of horrors uh, the the dentist yeah comes in and and pulls Seymour away um in well it doesn't fit that uh, <laughs> but yeah basically that's it but I think it's interesting in here mm-hmm. that they kind of team up a love story yeah with uh this like, idea of like because, it's what, what makes it's not the villain not... yeah. Yeah, like there's not a baddie. In yeah, the it producers. it allows it allows the antagonist to be sympathetic. Um, exactly. Leo Bloom, who becomes the antagonist in uh, you know Act Two, um, you still then his return and transition back from the antagonist to co-protagonist is what lets you be like oh, and makes it a super super happy story. Exactly. Um, and like and they do it so surface level. You think of the first song like. It's opening night. It's opening night. Da 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 da. It's Max Bialystok's latest show. Will it flop or will it go? You now know everything you need to know about the exposition for what's about to happen. Two yeah. lines down. Boom. It's a show. We don't know if it's going to do well. Questions in your mind. Also, Max Bialystok. Who could he be? Probably the protagonist. Um, yeah. Like they, there's nothing. You know, we're not hiding it here. Exactly. Um, it's not even like Good Morning Baltimore, where it's like there's still some you know you're yeah we're gonna build you up we're gonna build up your story here right or even it's still not even like uh the prologue to into the woods where it's like once upon a time there was this and that and this like there's there is no pretext in the exposition of this show you know it's opening night will max's show do well it doesn't i used to be the king of broadway here's what i want i want to be the king of broadway again like we got all your backstory, the setting you live in, and what you want, and then Stranger Comes to Town, Leo Bloom shows up, and he's what sets the story in motion. Like, yep, exactly. and on and on and on, and then this happens, and then that happens, yep. and it's, like, it super easy to unpack. decide about the musical. Yeah, it's, it's great. Yeah. But I think, I do think that's so good, though. Um, yeah, it's worth because, it. Because, yeah, there are moments, like, um, I think I always use Star Wars as a really good example, because... It's, it's a great plot structure example. Yeah, it's, just, it's so clear-cut. Yeah. Um, and I find it because like I've when I've been doing like writing practice and things like that mm. and trying to like write something in that structure but without making it seem contrived yeah it's hard to it's do. so difficult yeah and that's that's the thing is like simple simple plot is harder to do than complex plot 
Um, exactly. I think I've been seeing bouncing around the internet and I have n- not good feelings about it, but there's a maybe fan made movie coming out in the Harry Potter universe. Oh my God. Uh, what the hell is this? I know you've seen this, the origins of the air. It's like where Voldemort came from. Something yeah, like but that. Surely, I, surely that's just like the same as the legends of Zelda trailer. Right, I, I wonder if they're going to get their pantsuit off of them, but I, I got like halfway through the trailer and they were like, I am so-and-so such and such betrothed to you by blah, 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 blah. And this, and this, and this, and and here's another plot point. And like, no, 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 no. It Simple. Give me yeah. like two things, maybe. Um, exactly. Have and then one person. decorate the rest of your world. Like, yeah. you know, and that's what lets the producers be so successful is their plot is so straightforward and simple is then they get to make these ridiculous jokes and other things all around it. Um, exactly. I do think exactly. one of the big questions of the producers that I always have as far as plot structure is concerned Um the Act One Closer, which I think is a really interesting Act One Closer in my mind, because yeah. we like totally forego any I, any concept that like this is real, and everyone just comes out and reprises a thing they sang about like how excited they're about about the next thing that's going to happen. Yeah, uh-huh. um, and you know it's like a massive multiplayer number set in limbo. Um, yeah. Which you don't see a lot of Act 1 closers that way. Um, you see a lot of finales that way, but not a lot of Act 1 closers that way. Um, yep. And in that moment at the end of Act 1, when Leo and Max shake, hand and they shake hands and they say, we can't miss, I'm spoiled because I know the ending. I wonder uh-huh. how someone who goes into this not knowing the ending feels about that. Like... The comedy of yeah. the show is like all their expectations are reversed. Um, exactly. And I wonder, I don't know which is the better choice for an audience member either. Like, do you telegraph that it's totally going to be successful or do you let it be a giant surprise? And I think there are benefits to each. Um, yeah. I, but I don't know because I think it, it wouldn't be good if Springtime for Hitler was bad and it bombed. Yeah. The show would be crap. Do you know what yeah. I mean? It would be really awful because they'd right, just exactly. leave with their money. Yeah. And that would be that. And you're like, oh, okay. Right. But, you know, I mean, you have to see, how are you going to get out of this one, Max? Right. Do you know what I mean? Like, ha, 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 the joke's on you. And you do, like, you know, from opening night, from that first number, yeah. um, when they say, it's the worst show, and you're expecting yeah. them to you're say, it's the that... best show yeah. in town. And but also... It, they don't. But I they think there's... all the head. There's like, you know, the number of times, it's that reoccurring line when it's like, uh, Leo's like, are we in too deep yet? And Max is like, I'll let you, this is nothing. I'll let you know when we're in too deep. I'll let you uh-huh. know when we're in too deep. And then when Franz comes in with the gun, he's like, hey, we're in too, too deep, deep. Too deep, too deep. And like, yeah. you know, that that's foreshadowing. That's like, I'll let you know when we're in too deep. That's Chekhov's gun. That's like, we're literally, the gun's going to go off in act two. Yeah. Um, so, I don't know. It's, it's fascinating to me. Like, that's one uh-huh. of the big questions I have about the structure of this and you know it's it's a question with no answer that's the wonderful thing about literary analysis it's not about Mm -hmm. finding answers it's about asking questions yeah exactly exactly um i do also i just want to shout out to the the actual music yeah um so i was thinking about this and i was was listening to it sort of analytically which i'd never really Mm -hmm. done before Mm um it's it's really smart (laughs) it's really really, it's it's really solid yeah, it just taps into that golden age sound, mm-hmm. and they do. So they do this thing. It's probably there probably is a technical term for it. Mm-hmm. Um, you might know it. So you know, for example, you take something like um, 
luck be a lady mm-hmm. right yeah um where you know it starts off with um they call you lady luck but then mm-hmm. it's got the intro yeah Right, and then it goes into now that all I do is pray. Da, 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 luck be a light, and that's mm-hmm. kind of where the song starts. Yeah, so that is like a golden age trope that happens yeah. all the way through. Mm-hmm. Um, every you know, in every Rodgers and Hammerstein mm-hmm. that features at least four times. Yes. Um, and it happens in the producers. Yeah. Um, so the in urge like, to merge can rob us of our senses. Absolutely. We can make a man a drone. Yeah. Uh-huh. And along came Bialy as well. Mm-hmm. Even though it's a chorus number, it still has the same thing. Yep. Um, it's really, really interesting. And I think it's a total choice by Mel Brooks because yeah. it, it's now set, obviously set in the golden age. Mm-hmm. And it completely harks back to that yeah. vibe. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Well, and it's um, also, it's really interesting to me that it, because it takes that, but it does not take the like chorus verse chorus structure, except mm-hmm. for maybe we can do it, um, which only does it because it's a duet, so that they can go back and sing. We can do it a couple times. I don't know but, that that face that face is very much a chorus verse chorus. Yeah, no, I think it's it's worth it. It like it it's a good melding. It's a good golden age musical pastiche with the. Um, expectations we have of a 2001 piece of musical theater exactly like exactly. you're, it really you're doing the things head. that remind us of that but you don't need us to remember the chorus when we leave because we're not gonna yeah. play a record and even that you know the kind of long drawn out musical number that they always have in, in act two yeah springtime for hitler it's right there for you you know it's just I, it's re- i will i will say one of the wonderful things about this show this is one of the few shows i can think of off the top of my head that does not fall into the act two slump um mm. there is nothing boring or attempting to pick up the story in act two you are excited from the moment act two starts until the finale um For sure. there's not like we don't need to introduce like i guess we introduce additional complications in franz breaking his leg um but that uh-huh. doesn't seem manufactured or artificial to like increase the drama that seems like yeah. as planned um because that's the thing is it is it could it could fall flat um once the show's up and running do you know what i mean but they still have you know like oh my god betrayed like betrayed is a beautiful it's an expert number and then the whole prison seat like it's it's huge the second act it's It's great and it just it just keeps running um yeah it's wonderful and then yeah like and it's still not afraid to make fun of itself like completely you know Ula paint they they have a whole second set for one joke. They have a whole replica set painted white for a stupid joke. <laughs> when did you literally, do this? Yeah, literally. Intermission. Like that's it. And is so funny and ridiculous and bizarre. Um yep. like I love stuff like that. Yeah, it's really, really smart. And I just find that, like, you've got, you got to throw your hat off to Mel Brooks. Like, yeah. obviously, not, you wouldn't think, oh, Mel Brooks is a staple of the musical theatre. Right. Um, and it's a, it's almost a pity, because, yeah. like, Young Frankenstein as well is, is really, really good fun. I'd say producers is, yeah. is kind of masterful. Yeah. Um, but, no, I, re- I really like Young Frankenstein. I think it's funny. So you're allowed um, to like Young Frankenstein. Thank you. I'm going to say when you're not allowed to like my second. Um, but... Uh, <laughs> But yeah, like I, he's just he's a he's a talented bugger. Yeah, he definitely is. And I also didn't is. know he, he he performed. Yeah, 
kind of. He performs. Yeah, in a history of whatever it's called. Uh, the history of... Oh, yeah. Oh, no, he's in a bunch of his own movies. He's in silent movies. Yeah, in... History of the World, that's it. Yeah, he has, um, and he has cameos in a bunch of them, too. He has a cameo in the stage musical. Um, the line, don't be stupid, be a smarty, come and join the Nazi party, is oh, yes, pre-recorded Mel Brooks saying that line. It's not him on there stage. There you go. You know, he's got um, better things to do. But in, but he's really good. Yeah. In um, History of the World, he's fantastic. I'm like, you're a great little man. Oh, he's very funny. Him, you would you would love, he has a movie called Silent Movie. Um, yeah, no, a, I've seen it. Oh, I love Silent Movie. It's so good. Yeah. It's just, yeah. No, like, I'm a, a massive Mel Brooks fan. Um, and yeah, just your heart goes off to him. And it, I wish you'd write more musicals. I know. It's fascinating to see him slide into the world of musical theater so effortlessly. I know. It'd be interesting. I wonder what he would do with a, an original do you know yeah. what I mean? Because obviously, yeah. Young Frankenstein producers are both adaptations. Mm-hmm. What would you do with a story written specifically for the musical theater stage? Yeah, I don't know. I think he'd do it well, mate. Yeah. Who knows? Maybe he will next year. There's always there's who, Broadway's changing. Mel Brooks is m- might be the next great comet. <laughs> I hear I hear him and Dave Malloy have got ace up their sleeve. <laughs> I would love to see like. A dinner conversation between Dave Malloy and Mel Brooks. I would love nothing I more. Even, I can't even <laughs> picture that in any way, shape, or form. It'd be interesting. Oh, uh, it'd be wonderful to be a to be a fly on the wall in that room. That was the producers. Wasn't that fun? My it's such goodness. a fun show. I know. I see every time we do like a biggin, I'm yeah. always like, oh, I feel like it's our, our little peg in the in the shale. Yeah, the producers. That's not a <laughs> peg in the shale. Peg I would have believed shale. you. That sounds like a, a Scottishism. Well, it could work. It makes sense. <laughs> it's Is a peg in the shale. Peg in the shale sounds like a, a poor lady who's trapped inside of a pool table. Shale. Yeah, I guess sure. that's made a slate in that shale. I don't know. One more <laughs> peg in the shale. <laughs> anyway, um, but before we leave the producers, I do want to ask, you've written the words. Uh-huh. Is this a Google whack? Tommy's <laughs> gay bar Hitler. This is a, a, a real thing. So you know about the most wonderful place in the world, the gay bar yes. in Chicago that plays musical theater on Mondays. Music Mondays. Uh, there is a reoccurring bar patron there who me and my friends to refer me and my friends refer to him as hitler um okay because every musical mondays they play springtime for hitler and he goes and stands up in one of the corners and all the bar lights shine on him and everyone points their phone lights at him and he lip syncs and reenacts the entire number of springtime for hitler and it is one of the most beautiful things you've ever seen. He's got a comb that he holds up as a mustache. He marches. He ducks. We all wave our lights around like it's Ballyhoo. When it goes, bombs falling from the skies again. Whew, boom! Everyone throws their napkins in the air, so they rain down. And sometimes Hitler is sick, 
or isn't at the bar on Monday nights. And uh-huh. they'll put the thing on and no one will show up. And everyone will be like, where is Hitler? We're so sad Hitler isn't here today. What? And it's like one of those conversations that in any other context would be ridiculously indecipherable. Um, but I think it is one of the most beautiful things in the world. Like, do you know, do you know how we need to remember Adolf Hitler? As a gay man making fun of him in a gay bar in a gay neighborhood in mm. a progressive society. Yeah. This this is the way to honor the spirit and the memory of Adolf Elizabeth Hitler. This bar is so strange. Oh, oh, it's so much fun. It's, it's just like, like with the Titanic, with the Tonys, with the Liza arms, now oh, this. Like, well, I haven't I even told like you, you about what happens during Wicked or the Poseidon Adventure. Yeah, it's, it I is like wait. nothing else. Or Evita. Let's talk about Evita. No. Well, yeah. we will when we do Evita. Don't, One don't of these times. I won't spoil away. it now. But I can never listen to Don't Cry For Me Argentina the same way again. Fascinating. Yeah, what, it's a magical place. place. Do you think they'd sponsor us or something? <laughs> I think they're doing just fine. Okay. I think they honestly they sponsor me well enough with you know vodka cranberries and time to think up stupid ideas for videos. Here, here. <laughs> yeah, we should we should go there though. We should do like a a, a viewing. We absolutely should. We should go just you and me because it's fun. <laughs> well, that too, but. <laughs> Yeah, what a place. I just yeah. can't imagine it. I, I think it'd be one of those things I'd do, I'd go and I'd be like, I'd probably be so overwhelmed. I Absolutely. Most people are. It's always fun whenever these things happen to like spot the people in the crowd who this is their first time there. Yeah. And they're like, what? Because like that's my favorite on? thing. If you ever do a Rocky Horror, mm-hmm. do you know what I mean? Like yeah. in in spotting the virgins. Yep. And it's 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 like a very specific musical theater Rocky Horror. Definitely. But I'd I'd probably get quite sad or probably really angry because you know I know some things about musical theater and I'd go there and I'd probably feel like an idiot. Well, that's why because you, it's yeah. like it's above. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't know to throw my napkin in the air, you know. No. Well, the crazy thing is like. I know plenty about musical theater and plenty about this bar. And every once in a while, something will come on the TV and my friends will turn to me and they'll be like, what is this? And I'll be like, I don't know. And it'll be like Bob Fosse tap dancing or something. I could do that. And I'll be like, I have never ever, or like some weird Judy Garland performance that you've never seen before. That that, well, we need you. Oh my god! Have you ever seen Barbara Streisand uh, and Judy Garland? She did her um, "A Kid Again" that era. Mm, I don't think so. Oh my god, that's a treat. That's oh. we'll, we'll save that. That will come up in a podcast at some point. <laughs> but you have seen Barbara Streisand and Judy Garland doing their yeah, the oh, happy duet, right? Of With course. the arrows. There's a callback to that. Um, it's something like, um, "Guess which like... one of us is drunk? Follow the arrows!" And they're all pointing at Judy Garland. Um, Excellent. Oh, Judy. <laughs> We've got a quiz question for you. You ready? Um, no, yeah. I can come back to you. When, uh, if you yeah, think me, of it, me... raise your hand again, and when I come back around the room... Oh, my God. That just gave me weird, horrible flashbacks. <laughs> yes. Give me, give me it now. 
One of Tommy's favorite numbers from next week's musical was actually parodied in an episode of Glee. Although they do not sing a song from the actual musical, the circumstances and the setting during this funny girl era of season five of Glee are a direct mirror of the circumstances and setting of this number from next week's musical. Interesting. Complex. That means it's time for a Glee wind. Uh, Glee. Uh, We're doing Glee. Uh, it's a Glee podcast about Glee. Uh, uh, it's a, if we ever start a Glee podcast, it's going to be called It's a Glee podcast about Glee. Can it just be me talking at you about Glee and you just going? And then can it be me be going like doom da ba da doom da 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 ba da ba da ba da ba da ba da ba yeah, actually, that sounds like a really good idea. Oh, God. Going to write it on my board. Um, if you'd like to get in touch with us, you can. You can find me over on Twitter at Asin Hendrix or on YouTube at the same name. I hear you passed a big YouTube milestone. I did. And I've earned it. Have I? I um, think you have. Uh, thank you very much, sir. Yeah, I reached 500 subscribers. Woo! How many are you on? You on? That- uh, 20,000? 20, 20, um, yeah, 24,000 almost. I don't know how this happened. That's if you want to so find good. me, I'm Musical Theater Mash on YouTube and Musical Mash on Twitter, or check out our show Twitter at Jim and Tomic or our website, jimandtomic.com, which has a link to the Reddit discussion where you can talk about this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, no Reddit rundown this week, but, you know, that's okay. There was some great discussion. It's over there. Yeah. Um, and... It would be really nice if you go and tell your friends all about this podcast. Plenty of people have. I keep seeing, like, the I keep getting tagged in recommendations between other people across the internet about podcasts, which is awesome. You're amazing people. Absolutely. And if you listen to an episode in the Vatican City, please let us know who you are, because <laughs> that is fascinating. Jimmy's been driving, diving into the analytics, and this I is driving have. him crazy. The Pope, the Pope listens to our Imagine podcast. Imagine if it was the Pope, though! It wasn't the Pope. Um... The Pope. Got as many Pope references in musical theater, right? Yeah, call from the Vatican. Um, we could probably make a whole episode about Pope and Vatican references in musical theater. There we go. That'll be that'll be my return to YouTube. <laughs> the Pope episode. Yeah, wait, wait till you hear about what I have planned post Tonys for my videos on YouTube. It'll be a surprise. Um, and with um, that, we'll see you next we'll week. We'll see you next one. Tataloo, tataloo. You said that a couple of times now. There's something wrong. I'm trying to make it a thing. Toddaloo. <laughs> Have you ever wondered how your favorite performer actually feels? Well, here's your chance. Welcome to The Quiet Part Out Loud with me, Bobby Steggert, Broadway actor and now a therapist to a whole host of Broadway creatives. Part interview, part therapy, this is not your typical podcast. We'll go right to the heart of things with some of your favorite artists. What they still struggle with, what lessons they've learned, what they haven't figured out yet. There's enormous power in saying the quiet part out loud. Are you listening? Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work 
or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.